I feel like we're, we have a little, like, I don't know, a little spirit in us today. I love it. I love it. Um, good to see you. My name is Aaron. If you have not yet met, I am blessed to serve as the pastor of our church and would love to meet you after service at the seven-minute hangout, which is literally what, it, what we call it. It's seven minutes after service to just talk about who you are, how you got connected, all of that, and, and meet you after uh, we're done this morning. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with... Um, here, Kate, I'll take that. Thank you. I forgot a Sharpie. I'll take, uh, take the big one in that one. Thank you. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with to-do lists. Um, I got all kinds of to-do lists, okay? I, I got, who, who are like to-do list people? To raise your hand. We're, okay, okay. Oh, we are a get-it-done crew. I love it. I got two apps on my computer that tell me what work uh, to-dos I need to do. I have a personal journal I keep for the personal things. Uh, we got apps for our kids for homework and sports. Uh, we got a refrigerator one, of course. And then my favorite one, we have one right now called a 2023 summer bucket list, uh, like, like little one on the fridge, which is all the things that kids want to do uh, that they want after school gets out. Um, what is on your to-do list? Now, what I want to do is ask you to shout out to me some of the actual things that are on your to-do list, okay? What are some of the to-do? Just shout them out, Shannon. Clean out the closet. Oh, okay, okay. Clean closet, Okay. Uh, can you clean my closet out? Because I need, uh, that's on mine. Mike? Oh, oh. <laughs> Katie said we're, we're already past March, okay? Just, you know, April. Uh, taxes, okay? We're serious about that? Laundry, okay. Laundry, oh, wedding prep. Okay, come on. Let's go. Wedding prep. Okay. That, what? Garage, okay? So like, oh yeah. Who's got a garage issue? <laughs> Everybody's got a garage issue. Yeah, okay. Okay, one more, one more. Mow the lawn. Mow the lawn. I like that one. It never goes away. It just keeps growing a little bit, a little bit, right? So the lawn. Awesome. Um, I love lists because, you know, there's no surprises. It's, a, it's like, okay, I know what we're getting into today. Uh, I know uh, what I need to do and get done. But I also hate them. Because in, the, in, the, in the, you know, the energy to get this done, sometimes I can get off track of what the real priorities are. So like wedding planning, right? You put the best wedding together. Not you, but your fiance. We, we know. We know. <laughs> we know. Uh, there's going to be a husband workshop here soon. Uh, just want to invite you. Uh, no. Um, so, uh, you put a great wedding. You got the caterer, you got the DJ, you got the, the pastors all organized. The day comes, you have the checklist in your mind, you got the binder, you go through the whole day, the checklist gets done, you go after the wedding, and you're thinking about the day, and the whole day's a blur because you were thinking about the checklist and not about what really happened, right? You're driving your kids around going to sports, going to get groceries. You're going to go get milk. The kids in the back, they're singing worship songs to Jesus, and all you're thinking about is what happens after the milk, where you got to go afterwards, and you miss the moment with your kids in the car. The list took control, and you missed what really mattered. I've seen it in ministry all the time. We plan a great event, have the food ready, got the caterer there, um, we got, you know, the, the, the topic we're going to talk about. People actually show up. We're blown away by that. Like, people are here, amazing. We do the whole list. We go home, we talk about the day, and we go, well, did we even touch anyone's life? Like, did, did, did we even touch anyone's heart? We did all the right things, but we missed the priority. See, lists are great at telling us what to do, 
but they're horrible at keeping track of what actually matters. They're horrible at what the priorities really are. Which leads me to one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's a story about Jesus and uh, two women, two sisters, Martha and Mary, and the impact of getting too busy on our lives has. And in our story, Jesus tells us that there's only one priority, only one priority needed in life. It's only one necessary priority. In fact, he says only one thing in, is needed. Imagine, imagine Jesus saying, hey, I know you got a lot to do. Only one thing is needed. It's almost offensive, right? Like, what? No, Jesus, don't you know all that I have to do? Jesus says, no, only one thing is needed. And so what is the most important thing that Jesus wants us to have on our to-do list? What's the one thing that we can't take away? Well, Jesus is going to tell us that in our passage today. It's in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there on, or on your tablets or your app. I'll let you all get there. Luke 10, 38 through 42. The passage will be on the screen as well, and um, I'm finding my way there. Um, and again, this is a, a conversation between Jesus and two of his friends, Martha and Mary. Jesus um, uh, has a very practical lesson to it. And this is the very end of our current study called, What Are You Searching For? And we've been looking at, are you searching for uh, purpose? Are you searching for love? Are you searching for security? And today is really a summary of that whole study because we see all those things at play in this conversation between Jesus and his two friends. So I'll begin reading verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where uh, a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So Jesus is traveling with his disciples. He's going to do ministry. And because there weren't any hotels in Jesus' day, uh, as was custom, a friend of his named Martha and his sister, her sister Mary, opens up their home to him and his disciples. This was very normal and expected. And it was also expected that Martha and her sister Mary would have uh, cooked a good meal, uh, prepared some rooms, and made them feel comfortable like, like guests in their day and age. But the story gets dicey in verse 39. It says, she had a sister called Mary. Mary. Oh boy, we're going to get into Mary. Who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. I know already people are mad at Mary in the room. Okay, because instead of helping out her sister to cook the meal and to prepare it all, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from Jesus. And the Greek word for sat in the passage is the, the word that's used to describe a student or an apprentice to a rabbi who would sit at their feet to learn from them. Mary takes the posture of saying, I want to learn from Jesus. I want to hear from him. And who can, you know, blame her, right? I mean, this past week at Alpha, we asked the question, if you could ask Jesus anything, what would you ask him? I mean, think about that. If Jesus came to your house and he's sitting on your couch, I mean, amazing moment. What are you going to talk to him about? There's a lot of things we'd probably want to ask God in the flesh, as he's sitting in our living rooms. And the last thing we would want to do, most likely, is go heat up the pizza or go get the, the food ready. We'd want to sit at the couch and choose to be with Jesus. That's what Mary chooses to do. Martha, on the other hand, chooses something different. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Can we all say distracted? Distracted, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha was distracted as Jesus, the Son of God, is in her living room. She is distracted by her to-do list and all the preparations that have to be made. 
In verse 40, she hits her limit and she goes to Jesus and says, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Don't we all wish we had Jesus when we were younger to tell our siblings what to do? That'd be awesome. We've all been in a situation before. You're at work. You're given a team project. No one is doing anything except you. You're doing all the work and no one else is doing anything else. You're at your house. You're cooking. You're cleaning. You're preparing. And everyone else, uh, let's just say the husbands, right? Husband workshop coming up in the future. We're on the couch. We're not paying any attention. The kids are playing with their toys. And it's like, who's here to help me, right? We've all been in a situation like that. We can understand Martha's irritation. Martha was distracted and busy about what she thought had to be done. She was worried about what hadn't been done. And she was complaining about who wasn't helping her get it done. And who does she blame? Well, she blames Mary, but she also blames Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Like, Jesus, don't you care? Come help me, Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. When you have guests over, who is your hospitality supposed to serve? It's a kind of a trick question. Others, yeah, your guest, right? Your hospitality is supposed to serve your guest. Who does Martha make it all about? Herself. Because you're kind of already playing to the passage. Look at what she says again in verse 40. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Where? <laughs> right? Now, I know you don't care about grammar, but in the grammar of the text, all the me language is the direct object. She's making it all about her. It's all about her in this moment. Selfishness and self-centeredness is the default attitude that comes on us when we have the wrong to-dos and the wrong priorities. We will make, right, when you get pressure, and you meet somebody who has so many things to do, and all these priorities, they got to get done, and they aren't fun to be around. Anyone know anyone like that? <laughs> have you ever been like that? No, not you. None of you. We're all saints. Me, on the other hand. Krista, what's your name? What do you call, what do you say when I'm in that, that mode? Just say it. Ta she's so nice. Task mode Aaron. That's what happens. I'm just getting through the list right? Task mode. And, and, and she says that as a nice way. She always says it so kindly to let me know that I'm not very, being very kind because it's all about me getting this done. Selfishness and self-centeredness is the default attitude when our to-do list and our priorities are not on track. And the problem is everyone suffers for it. You know the old quote, what they say, right? The devil can't make you bad. He makes you busy. Amen. You know it. And that's what happens. We get self-centered and selfish and busy with all the things we've got to get done. And everyone else suffers for it. Your health will suffer for it. Your marriage will suffer for it. Your kids will suffer for it. When your to-dos are so big and your priorities are off, everyone else will suffer for it. Now, I read a, a song that some of you might know from the 1970s called The Cat in the Cradle. It's not written in 2023, but 1970. And times haven't changed, but it's a sad one. It punched me in the gut, and it's going to punch some of us in the gut. Because when our priorities are off, other people suffer for it. Here's the words of that song. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in, in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. 
He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be just like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be just like you. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Catch, can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do, he said. That's okay. He said he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. It said, I'm going to be just like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be just like him. Well, he came home from college just the other day. So much like a man, I had to say. Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head, and, they, and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, too, Dad. To, to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you, too. And I hung up the phone. It occurred to me. He'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. See, when our priorities and our to-do list is off, everyone else suffers around us. The most important relationships suffer. So Jesus says to Martha, few things are needed. Verse 42. Few things are needed. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus says that only one thing is needed on the to-do list. Only one priority is necessary. Now, I wrote out Martha's priorities, her to-do list that day. These are, these are my, this is my hunch. Okay, so this is what I was thinking. You know, when I was thinking about Martha, hopefully we don't lose the to-do list here. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll try that. There we go. All right. That'd make me anxious if we left it that way. All right. Martha's to-do list. Make the food. Serve the food and drink. Clean up, especially after Peter, because we know he's messy. Okay, we know, we know Peter. Get rooms ready for Jesus. Mary can help with that. Make, make the fire. Mary can help with that, right? So these are kind of Martha's to-do list. But Jesus says that only one priority is needed, and it's none of these. Only one thing was necessary, and it wasn't any of the things that Martha was up to. Now, in case you're wondering, why didn't Jesus say to Martha, Martha, thank you. Like, thank you for making a great meal. Like, thank you for preparing the rooms. And also, I needed to spend some time with Mary. She had some questions for me. And so thanks for doing that so I could just get some time. But now come join us. But thank you. Like, why didn't Jesus say that? And it's because of a truth that Jesus is trying to subtly teach us in this passage. And here's one of the truths. It's this. The scope of your outer life is determined by the shape of our inner life. Let me say that again. The, sh the, the scope of your inner life or your outer life, the impact you make, the impact you make with your outer life is determined by the shape, by the fitness, by the health of your inner life. That's undergirding this passage. The scope of your outer life is determined by the shape of our inner life. I love what Dr. Daryl Bach said. It's a great temptation to serve at the expense of being fed spiritually. That's what Jesus' remark to Martha means. Some activities can wait. There's a time to work 
and a time to listen to Jesus. Now look in your Bibles for me for a moment, and, and um, what story did Jesus tell right before this story, or what happened in Jesus' life? Anyone know? Look at your Bible. Someone shout it out to me. The Good Samaritan. I love the Bible because we read it, and sometimes the chapters and the headings get in our way, but they're actually connected, that passage and this passage. You know the story of the Good Samaritan. The guy's walking on the road. He's traveling. He gets beat up. He almost bleeds out. Uh, two religious guys, like me, they see him. They don't help. They justify not helping. They cross the road. They keep walking. A guy of a different ethnicity who has relate, racial issues with each other, of a different religious background, helps the guy. And he's the Good Samaritan. And Jesus ends that story. If you look in your Bibles, he says, go and do likewise. It's the last words Jesus uses with the Good Samaritan. The author Luke ties that story into Mary and Martha's story in verse 38. I already read it, but I'll read it again. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Now it's Jesus who's traveling, just like the guy on the Good Samaritan road, on the road. And he has a need. He doesn't get beat up, but he has a need. He needs a place to stay, Jesus does. He needs a meal. And Martha fulfills that need, but she does so with a crummy and selfish attitude. So the message is clear. Genuine service and love to others can only happen when we feed ourselves spiritually first. The impact of your outer life, the health of your relationships, how you lead your family is determined by the shape, the fitness, the health of your inner life. Jesus is making a statement here that if we want to be good Samaritans, Go and do likewise. We've got to first do what Mary did. And so, what did she choose? What did, she, what did Mary choose to do? Let's see what she did. What was on her list? Let's see. Oh, that's it. Hang with Jesus. That's all she did. That's, the, that's it. Really, what she did was she communed and had an unhurried time with Christ. Jesus said it would never be taken away from her. You see, Jesus loves to spend time with you. Can you imagine that? Like Jesus loves and values the time he gets with you. He says it will never be taken away from Mary. This was so important to Jesus. It's so important to Jesus that he gets time with you. He loves that this was at the top of her list. As good as Martha's list was, as important as that meal was, this to Jesus was more valuable. And so there's only one priority that needs to be on your list. Only one that needs to, everything else can be arranged. If you want to live a life of uh, significance and purpose and a life of love, impacting other people, a life of security, unhurried time with Jesus. Communion and unhurried time with Jesus cannot leave your to-do list. That has to always remain. Or maybe it's never even on your to-do list. Maybe you're new to church, you're new to faith, you're new to Christianity. You're trying to figure out what this whole thing is about. It's about a relationship with Jesus above everything else. Maybe for you, Christianity has always been about serving and doing and works and being a good person. Guess what Christianity is all about at the heart? It's about Jesus. It's about relationship with Christ. And he invites us into that relationship above everything else. I love what Warren Wearsby said. He said, consider Martha's situation. She received Jesus into her home and then neglected him as she prepared an elaborate meal that, she, that he did not need. Certainly a meal was in order, but what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. 
The key is to have the right priorities. Jesus Christ first, then others, then ourselves. It is vitally important that we spend time at the feet of Jesus every single day, letting him share his word with us. Unless we meet Christ personally and privately each day, we will soon end up like Martha, busy but not blessed. I have a friend of mine named Steve Carter. He's been a pastor at some significant churches. And he told a story recently about how he ran a 5K race, which is a three-mile race for those who don't run. You know, three miles, 3.1 miles. So he jumped into the race and began to run it. And he was running for a while. And he didn't have a GPS watch because he wasn't a runner. And he'd been running for some time. And he looked at a guy running next to him and said, hey, how long, how far have we gone? And the guy next to him said, oh, we've gone five miles. And he's like, well, isn't this a, a three-mile race? Isn't this a 5K? He said, no, 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 this is the half marathon. <laughs> and Steve realized at that moment that he was running the wrong race. <sighs> he finished. He, he said he, he was crawling into the finish line. Right? <laughs> when we have the wrong to-do list and with filled with the wrong priorities or the to-do list blinds us from the right priorities, we all end up running the wrong race. Jesus wants us to run the right race. And you will run the right race when we keep Mary's to-do list in check. The key to running the right race is communion and unhurried time with Jesus. Jesus. So how's your time with Jesus these days? Amen. I love that. Keep it up. If it is great, keep it up. How's your to-do list? Is it distracting you? Are you overwhelmed with busy things? You see, when we get busy, we can't hear God's voice leading us to be good Samaritans, to step in and help other people, love our families. Um, Our to-do is more important than giving Jesus time. I went to the doctor this past week, and this might be a little TMI, but it's okay. We're family. And um, I have a wax ear problem, everybody. I just want you to know. The wax in my ear grows inward, not outward, Okay. And so every two years, I got to go to the doctor, and they, they, they basically, like, power wash my ears, okay? They put this giant thing, and they're just, like, shoving water into it. And I hold a cup. Some of you give me looks like, I'm never coming back here. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but I hold a cup under my ear. I know. I, I asked Krista if I was okay, and she was neutral. But um, I'm like, well, I'm going to go for it. And so I, I hold this cup under my ear, and then stuff comes out. This past week, I got it done. I can hear again now. And I literally, a ball of wax that big came out of this ear. I know, ew, sorry. Again, we're family, TMI, I know, I know. When we are so busy with things, we can't hear God's voice. But some of us need to literally power wash our to-do list. Like you need to look at your to-do list and go, okay, I got to get rid of some things. We're entering into summer season. School's about to be done. And you got a list of things that you want to do this summer. You want the lawn. You want the garage. We got to power wash some of those things and make sure that this thing never leaves it. And uh, some of us might be needing to power wash what we watch on TV. You know, I think sometimes we think, I got to just decompress by watching this show, which maybe not even honors God. And we need to honor God with what we watch or entertainment and the TV show that we watch may not actually decompress us as much as that would. And so we might need to take the last 30 minutes of the day to spend time with Jesus. We might need to go to bed 30 minutes earlier so we can wake up 30 minutes earlier before our kids get up. Whatever it is, whatever we need to do, Jesus says this will not be taken away from Mary. It's so important to Jesus. Um, So let's get practical. How does it work um, in my own life? Um, Time with Jesus has to be daily. 
It's got to be undistracted, and it's got to be biblical. It's got to be daily, undistracted, and biblical. So for me, I read a psalm in the morning. I usually spend time in a gospel. I read it over, read it over again. Just so you know, when I read the Bible, it doesn't always make sense to me. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to me even after I'm done reading it. But I'll read it, read it over again. I'll ask myself an important question. What is this teaching me about Jesus and God? And I have a journal. I'll write that down. Okay? That's what I'm learning. And then I'll pray and I'll, I'll look into my own heart and say, okay, how do I bring God into what I'm dealing with today? I'll ask God to help me throughout the day. I pray over my schedule, over my to-dos, but I bring him into my to-dos. And, and then I ask the Holy Spirit to help me love every person that I see that day and to be Jesus to those people because the scope of the outer life is determined by the shape and the fitness of the inner life. If you're looking for something to do Bible-wise, we encourage you to download the Bible One Year app. It's basic. It's a British guy named Nikki that we listen to on Alpha, and he makes you feel smarter listening to him. He's great, but it's just the basic journey. You can download that on your phones. Um, I encourage you to begin with a psalm and your night with the psalm. It kind of eases the, the anxiety by reading a psalm at nighttime. Um, and, and, but you can always ask us as a staff what we do and what helps, but uh, part of it is just the habit of showing up with Jesus and asking him to speak to your heart. Could be five minutes, could be 15 minutes, could be 30 minutes. Whatever it is that is going to help you spiritually that day, but hanging with Jesus, communion with him is important. How do you do it with kids? Um, spouses, if you're married, I encourage you to watch the kids to let your spouse go be with Jesus for whatever time they need. If you're a single parent, doing anything by yourself is always harder. And I don't usually recommend this, but I encourage you, probably one of the only times you'll hear this from me, it's okay to put on a show, 20 minutes of an educational show. You go be with Jesus. You need time with him. And that's an, a, a perfectly justifiable reason for them to watch a Bluey if you want to. <laughs> Which I, I usually end up watching Bluey anyway. <laughs> Today, um, we're also joined by some wonderful um, folks in our church uh, who are visiting today who have had a great impact uh, on other people in the kingdom of God. And uh, Rob and Colleen Myers, I've talked about them before, are the leaders of what's called Engage to Go Ministry. And I've talked about them in sermons before, but their ministry is to share the gospel with young adults who go to raves. Um, for anyone who doesn't know a rave, it's a big drug-induced party, you know. Um, and they focus their attention on San Bernardino and Riverside County, but also five different states nationally. And I've talked to you about them before and just how amazing they are. And, and we were able to get in touch with them and connect with them. And so we are blessed today to have them share with us a little bit of their ministry and how they stay connected to Jesus while they do incredible, impactful things for God's kingdom. So can we welcome them up as they come up to share their story? Come on up here. Take a look at the screen for their ministry. Kids are using drugs, lots of kids are having sex, 
and there's even human trafficking. Hi, my name is Rob. This is my wife, Helene. We are with Clear Life Ministries. We share the gospel with kids at raves. Our volunteers make thousands of bracelets. Each bracelet has a website on it that shares the gospel. I love going on outreaches because we get to tell kids who never hear that they're precious and valuable. That they're precious and valuable to the creator of the universe. Hey, well, we're so thankful and honored to have you both here with us today. Um, I mean, I've heard stories, uh, and I'm just honored to have you here and to meet you both, and so thank you for all that you do. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your ministry, how God called, it, how to, called you to it, and um, just any highlights that you'd like to share with us about what God's up to? Well, we, um, as you know now, we go to raves. If you see our banner outside, we have four different ministries with the same vision, and our vision statement is engaging believers to engage the lost until heaven is crowded. But we're here to talk about the Plurway division, which is, is the rave part. And, um, you know, we just go love on the kids. Um, and they always ask us, why are you doing this? And when they ask us why, that's our favorite question that we just love to answer. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, in short, I mean, I could, it's my favorite subject. I could go on for <laughs> hours. But um, we just basically go to share the love of Jesus. We have good news. We have good news yeah. that God has saved us from our sins. And it is just amazing to watch um, what people, uh, the, what you hear in the media, what we're all taught to believe is that um, we thought when kids found out we were Christians, they'd be chucking rocks at us or something. And the exact opposite happens. When God called old people, we thought, well, that's not the model we're used to. It's young people that reach young people, right? And God made a mistake, and it turns out this is a vastly unpaired generation, and they love old people. So, um, you know, the older the better. So we just go love on the kids and share the, the gospel, give out um, about 1,000 bracelets per mom per night, takes the pressure off talking to every kid we meet, and on the bracelets, a website that shares the gospel, and then they can contact us later. Why are these important at Raves? Uh, kids make, trade, and collect bead bracelets. So, so this is like currency at a Rave. <laughs> Yes, yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. Um, they all want one. So um, this is like giving out a tract that never gets thrown on the ground. When we give out, I think, in, uh, where were we just? In Dallas, we gave out about 16,000 bracelets, never saw one on the ground. It's amazing. And you toss them into a crowd, and they're all, I'm trying to get the bracelets. So. Um, and they've gotten to know the moms. Do you want to share? PLUR is a rave term, and it stands for peace, love, unity, and respect. So the website on our bracelet is PLUR Way. They're finding a fake form of plur. 90% mm. of the kids are using drugs at a rave. And so uh, we show them the way to true plur. We know they're really looking for Jesus. So um, we, our website is Plur Way. And they even have a, a special way of trading the bracelets. They say peace, love, unity, and respect. And then they trade the bracelets. 
So this is their thing, and God just showed it to us and let us in on it, and now we go. And um, they welcome us with open arms. The mm. older the moms out there, the better. Mm. And I'm going to skip your question about how it got started. It's a way long, cool story. Yeah. But in a, one sentence, uh, hit us out of nowhere. What, weren't looking for it. I was a plumber. Didn't ask for it. God dropped it in our laps. And we just went for it. And here we are. And I call later. myself a recovering judgmental church lady. So if you told me I'd be out there doing this, and, and oh, my goodness. She went from that to being a menopostal. Um, that was her word, not mine. She made that up. No, no. I don't know if you saw it. It says dad joke loading on the side of his shirt. <laughs> Literally, it says dad joke loading. So there we go. We love it. Yeah, that, that's the way the dads it. connect yeah, to yeah. dad jokes. Um, Colleen, you were telling me back outside, I mean, a little bit of the ministry. Can you give us like a couple, one story that, that you've seen God work in your ministry just to give us a picture of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit's work there? Um, and even kind of how the interactions with the ladies go and what that sure. looks like, yeah. We There's two different types of raves. There's the, the ones where um, they just, it's like a music festival, and we stay on the outside. And when our moms go um, to the entrance or the exit with this sign, we are flooded. These kids have, these kids have spent tons of money on tickets. They will stop on the way in if they see us out there with their sign. They would rather be with us than go into the party at that point. And the things they say to us when we take them in, in our arms would, would break your heart. And um, there are lots of kids that go to raves that are from awesome families. Um, but most of the kids we run into are from really a, a lack of parenting yeah. and grandparenting. So the other type of rave we go to is the ones that have camping. And so we go into those and we camp with the kids for the whole weekend. There will be ten to 12,000 kids in there camping. The rave might have fifty or 60,000, but you pay extra to camp. So our dads will make pancakes and sausage and tell, dad, dad tell really stupid, really stupid dad jokes. Right. And then um, the moms will invite them to our tables, and we'll sit there and have breakfast with them. So we were um, camping inside a rave, and our, our neighbor campers, we found out later, Sarah... She told her friends, what are those old people doing here? I think they've made a mistake. I think they're at the wrong festival. They think they're at Stagecoach. So she came you over. stick out like sore thumbs. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So she came over into our campsite. Hey, what you guys doing? And, um, and my husband said, we're here for you. Oh. Do you know this is a rave? Yeah, that's why we're here. We're here for you. And she said, What? So we got to share the gospel with her and her friends all weekend, as well as everyone else, thousands of kids, you know. And um, that started a seven-year relationship with Sarah. And it did not go well. Uh, she invited us to her party, her birthday party. We went. She invited us to her soccer games. We went. Um, but I would get calls at 2, 3 a.m., you know, my girlfriend, she just left me. And... Um, you know, she'd be drunk, and I'd be like, their phone would ring. I'd go, oh, it's Sarah again. i got to take this, <laughs> and I'd creep out and take her call. Um, so seven years of watching her, we would pray over her. We started calling her our plur baby. 
because <laughs> we just love this girl. Yeah. But she, she we kept just, coming back. We, we kept just, loving on her. And we watched her run from God, and we got to partner up with him and run after her. Mm. Our rave moms would pray, you know, over the whole outreach before we'd start. And we'd include Sarah if we knew she was going to be at that rave. There'd be 60,000 kids. Our rave moms would walk into her on a dance floor. Wow. Just right there every time. And she'd go, what? God is following me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Wow. She, she did her drugs in the bathroom one time, and when she opened the door, she was hiding because she had told us she wouldn't. She opens up the porta potty door, and the rave moms are standing right there. <laughs> God's not allowed in the bathroom. So she wow. finally had a big crisis, big, big in her life. The last time I'd seen her at a rave, I came into our RV that we use as a command post in the parking lot and I was just weeping and I said, Rob, I think she's dying. I don't, oh. I don't think we're going to see her much longer. But she hit this major crisis in her life and she knew, the kids call us rave moms, and she knew to call a rave mom that we would know what to do. So she called us. And that started a discipleship, a pre-believer discipleship, we call it. Mm -hmm. And every Friday morning at 9 o'clock, she would call. And I told her, Sarah, I'm taking you to the Bible. That's where I go for all my answers. And she goes, I know. I just need help. And I said, well, you're going to get help. And um, it started changing her life. And finally, um, on one of my last discipleship calls um, with her, I was so frustrated. We were in the car. She was on our Bluetooth. I was getting real frustrated with her. And I said, Rob, pull over to that taco stand. So he did. Well, what he didn't know is I was going to turn the call over to him. I said, um, hey, I'm going to, Sarah, I'm jumping out to grab a taco. Talk to Rob. Because I just like had it up to here, you know. And Rob went dad on her. And he said, Sarah, you have one foot in the world and one foot uh, learning of things track. of the Lord. But it's one foot on a train track and one foot in the Lord. Anyway. The next day, she called and said, I'm ready to jump in uh, with both feet. Uh. And she has been on this. We baptized her, and um, she is growing in the Lord. It's been two years now. I thought, I, I, I just couldn't picture it. Mm. But it was seven years. Seven years. Laugh. And, you just know, study. that's what our ministry does. We just plant seeds. We don't see a ton of harvest. Yeah. We just plant seeds, but God is the one that does the work. Yep. And so we relax about it. We yep. just do our job. We relax, and he does the rest. But seven years was a long time to relax about it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, we just trust what we read in Scripture, you know, yeah. and we just keep doing whenever we're asked. We answer with God's word. And um, she came up to my husband. She's in church. She's, like, growing. I'm at, we, we still meet every Friday morning at 9 on the phone, and I'm asking her to disciple me some now, too. It's really cool. She is so in the word. And she came up to Rob, I don't know, a couple months ago, and she goes, I have a question for you. How come you always give the ravers the book of John? You start with the book of John. You need to go right to Romans. They need to know they're dead in their sin. Oh, that's good. It's good. Like, easy girl, that's easy all, yeah, girl. Right. She knows. Um, last question that we want to pray for you uh, is, uh, you know, today we've talked about ministry and the impact of your, your life is about what's going on inside with you and Jesus. Um, can you share with us how you stay connected to Jesus as you're doing this kind of ministry? Like what's your prayer life, devotional life? Give us, some, give us uh, some nuggets and give us a little bit of your life. Well, if you could ask any other question, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> no, um, uh, permission to be honest? Yeah. You, you guys want the truth? Okay, so um, when we're at a rave, we are literally working with Jesus. He shows up. 
There's an old saying that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Anybody heard that? Yeah. Doesn't that sound nice? Yeah. Yeah, until you're the idiot who doesn't know what he's doing, <laughs> and God's qualifying you in the process. Mm. Um, so that, that plays out. And working with Jesus, there is nothing better on this planet. Mm -hmm. There is literally, you get in a dependent spot, needing him to show up, which we do when we're out there and we don't know what we're doing. And it's amazing. But the problem is between outreaches, there's a lot to get done. The logistics is just a nightmare. Um, I had a plumbing company with six trucks. I thought that was hard. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've just given up schedules. I, I call them the window plan. I make a schedule and throw it out the window. But you end up, I ended up working for Jesus, not working with Jesus. When you give up that time or that time becomes, I know you said it has to stay on your to-do list and it does, but when it's literally your to-do list, it becomes work. Mm. And there's a fine balance in there. And I wish I had the magic words to just wave a wand and fix it all for everybody. But it's different when you're working for him. So um, come the last quarter of last year, we ended up on a three-month sabbatical because it took its toll. When working for Jesus or making everything else on your to-do list becomes a priority, you're just checking boxes, checking boxes, check, got to get it done, got to make this phone call, got to call that church, got to, whatever it is you're doing, um, or just getting work done, you know, cleaning the garage, that's big, I like, I like, I like the garage, I live in the garage, you know, it's not all the time, but <laughs> you guys get the point, right? Yeah. Okay, um, so we took a three-month sabbatical, and it was not a vacation, it was work, Our, mm. the way I put it, our pastor beat me with the Bible until I got it straight. Mm. He wouldn't say that, but we were doing three hours a day in the Word every day, homework, all these things. It was three months just getting me back on track and yeah. us back on track and our marriage back on track to get to what he's trying to tell you guys today. Yeah. And when you get back there, it's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. There's just nothing better. So good. So thank you. we thank lived you. it. Thanks for your authenticity. It's a value of ours. So thank you. The good and the bad. Um, can we pray for both of you yes, and pray for your please. ministry? Uh, can we just extend a hand um, to them and pray over all that they're doing and engage to go? Let's bow. God, thank you so much for Rob and Colleen. Thank you for their heartfelt love for you, God, for other people, for this woman, Sarah, and the, the thousands of other people just like her. And Lord, I pray for their spiritual health and refreshment. I know that they're here today to, you know, to to talk about their ministry, and maybe some of us here will step into their ministry this summer or help put some bracelets together to give out. I know they need a lot. Um, we pray for strength. We pray, pray for harvest workers with them. I hope that some of us from this church will do that, go talk to them after the service. But Lord, we really hope that out of today, they just feel really refreshed. We pray, Lord, that they would feel your presence and walk out of here with a sense of renewed calling and conviction about the assignment that you've given to them. And we stand in solidarity with that assignment. We agree with that assignment. And we ask, God, that you would use us to reach young adults in this area and at Raves. And we bless you, Lord. We thank you for them and their sort of clear love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. Bless you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So after service, they will be in the tower room to talk and to share. 
I want to wrap us up here today. Um, Mary in our story is seen three times in the Bible. In John 11, she falls at Jesus' feet because her friend Lazarus died. In John 12, she takes an alabaster jar, breaks it over Jesus' feet, and worships Jesus with this expensive perfume. And then, of course, in Luke chapter 11, she sits at Jesus' feet and learns from him. This wasn't a one-time thing to hang with Jesus. This was a habit of Mary's life. And it comes down to the heart of the issue is that Jesus had her heart. You know, this is not about a to-do list with Jesus. This is about Jesus having each one of our heart. And Jesus had Mary's heart. So every time Jesus, Mary saw Jesus, it's at his feet. It's at his feet. That was the default. No matter what happened, death, stressful moment, hanging out with friends, she's wanting to be with Jesus. And so the last, you know, page on this before we conclude today and go out here is this. You know, here's my to-do list again, right? Commune, an unhurried time with Jesus. Prayer, the Bible, no phone. That's hard. A journal. And I believe that if this is the priority, then everything here, the closet, the garage, the lawn, wedding prep, it'll all get in the right order. But we first have to get time with Jesus first. Amen? So the scope of our life is determined by the shape, the health, the fitness of our inner life. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning. And I just want to affirm that, Jesus, you want our hearts. And you want everyone's hearts in this room. Whether we are like a Sarah at a rave last night, or we've been walking with you, Jesus, for years and years and years, and our devotional life's going well. You are after our hearts. And Lord, if anyone here has forgotten that, if it's become about religion and do and do and do and do, like Martha thought it was, I just want you to know, men and women, that Jesus Christ wants a relationship with you above everything else. He loves you. And God, if anyone's kind of got off track with their to-dos or maybe the list of kid things or whatever it may be, it's just overwhelming. I pray for the overwhelm. Pray for the anxiety. God, I know this may feel like just one more thing to stack on it. Um, and I pray that that would absolutely not happen, but it would just be an invitation to the God who said that the evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to have, bring life and bring it abundantly. So we love you. We thank you that you want to bring us life. And I pray that we as a church would step into that invitation by you. We give you our time and our priorities, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with, one, with me one more last song?